0: No chapters because it's just one small little book. We'll read the beginning and the end of Jude. And then, relying on this Holy Spirit, I'll try to preach us through it. Jude, beginning in verse 1. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless, who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality, and they deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Verse 17. But dear friends, Remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. May God bless to our understanding the reading of his holy word. Amen. Well, Jude is kind of a strange book. In fact, many... Early church leaders, I'm talking about just decades after the time of Jesus, they questioned whether Jude should even be included in the New Testament. Some of the earliest lists we have of the books that were considered scripture by the early church don't even have Jude on the list. Jude's a little strange in that it refers to um, things that are kind of, they, they kind of sound out there, a little weird to us. For example, uh, Jude talks about angels who are being kept in darkness and everlasting chains. Uh, We read about slandering celestial beings. What's that about? Jude speaks of the archangel Michael disputing over the devil, with the devil, over the dead body of Moses. It's not in my Bible. Where does he get that from? Where is this coming from? Enoch, a mysterious but hardly prominent figure from Genesis, is mentioned, and he's quoted. Did we even know Enoch was serious? Did we even know he said anything? Jude mentions love feasts. Sounds like more than a potluck to me. Love feasts? And we scratch our heads and we say, what are these things about? They're unfamiliar to us. They're a little weird. In between the time of the end of the Old Testament and the the prophets and the beginning of the New Testament events, okay, that in-between time, which is a period of about 400 years, 400 years, there were a number of writings that came from the Jewish faith, which are sometimes called intertestamental writings or intertestamental books. These are writings that happen intertestament between the two testaments, between the time of the Old Testament between the time of the New Testament. And without getting into big details about these books, uh, they're not in our Bibles, but they do have history and stories, and they have some visions, kind of like we get in, in our book of Revelation. Uh, some of what Jude refers to comes from these intertestamental writings. Now, Jude also includes some familiar events that we do find in our Bibles and that probably sound familiar if we've been reading the big story. And if you've read through the Old Testament, uh, you'll recognize references to the deliverance out of Egypt, to Sodom and Gomorrah, to Moses, to Cain, to Balaam, to Korah's rebellion. As a matter of fact, I think if any of you are thinking of just even thinking about starting a band, I think Korah's Rebellion would be a great name for your band. I think you'd get asked to a lot of clubs. I don't think you have to be very good. I think it's a great name. Um, Enoch and Adam are also mentioned in Jude. Jude's a really easy book to overlook because, well, it's, it's just really short, first of all. And, you know, after we read the Gospels and after we read Acts and we read these wonderful letters of the New Testament, we, we get to this book, but Revelation is on the next page, and we just want to skip to that. Was the Jude who wrote this book the Apostle Jude, who was in Jesus' inner circle? Or is this the Jude who is the prophet referred to in the book of Acts? Or was he, Jude, the brother of Jesus? Jesus had a brother named Jude. And given that he says at the beginning that he is the brother of James and Jesus had brothers named James and Jude, then it isn't far-fetched to think that this Jude is our Lord's brother. How interesting that in both of their letters, James and Jude, make no reference to themselves as the earthly brothers of Jesus. They only mark themselves as servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a humility to be noted here. Forget the fact that we are his brothers. He is Lord and we are his servants, in essence, they say. Well, Jude clearly states his purpose for writing in the, in the third verse, and he writes to these Christians urging them to contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. J.B. Phillips, in his New Testament translation, puts it: uh, "Put up a fight for the faith. A real fight for the faith. Some Bibles will read defend the faith. The Greek word for contend means wrestle, means to struggle. We get our English word agonize from that word for contend. And the reason Jude says to contend for the faith is because certain people, he says they have slipped in secretly into this community and they've changed the grace of God for license for immorality. It seems they've said, well, since in God's grace, he always forgives us, then we can just do all sorts of things we want to do without having to worry. They were saying exactly what a lot of people wanted to hear. This led to the denial of the Lord. And we read from Jude that these certain people have caused slander. They do not have the spirit. They pollute their own bodies. They reject the spirit. They are grumblers, fault finders, They boast about evil desires. They think only about themselves. They flatter others for their own advantage. He goes on. He says, they are like those who didn't believe God anymore after the deliverance of Egypt. They're like the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. They're like Cain. He says, they're like clouds without rain. Autumn trees without fruit that are uprooted and twice dead. Wild waves of the sea foaming up their shame. Wandering stars destined for the blackest darkness. Wow, if you want some good names to call somebody that you don't like, Jude has got them right here. He's listed the whole thing. And we don't know the specifics about what these certain people who have slipped in are actually doing. We don't know exactly the problems on their attacks of the faith that Jude says you need to contend for. But those who Jude was writing to, they knew exactly what he was talking about. These certain people aren't outsiders, though. We know that. They're not outsiders attacking the faith. They're not pagans from the Roman Empire who were just trying to make it hard on Christians and persecuting them. No, these people are on the inside. They are in the worship services. They are around the table at the Lord's Supper. By the way, that's what love feast means, by the way. Agape meals. In the early church... Uh, the believers would gather together for dinners where everybody would bring food and they'd share the food and they'd eat and those dinners always ended with communion, the Lord's Supper. Jude says these certain people are shepherds who feed only themselves. Perhaps these people were pastors, elders who had uh, come from other places and they were claiming authority and people were buying into their teaching. You know, pastors and teachers are given trust and that trust can be used in the wrong way. Jude says, contend for the faith. The faith is what he says you've got to contend for. You know, part of our story, part of our story is that there will be people who have and will mess with the message and the treasure of our faith. There are times it has, there are times it does need to be defended, contended for. And the Christian faith is something that has been entrusted to us. We didn't create it. We didn't invent it. We didn't bring it about. It's a message based on something that happened. Faith is not a feeling, primarily. It's not some vague notion that we just kind of make up as we go along. It has content. There's a body of beliefs to our faith. There's a story, isn't there? We have a tradition. It has been given to us to proclaim and to live. And it's what Part of that content is what Paul puts so succinctly but clearly when he writes in 1 Corinthians. He says, I'm passing on to you the tradition that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to over 500 people. Sometimes we articulate our faith with something like the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Or we use some other statement of faith. Uh, to to say this is what our faith is. This is what we believe, and it's defined. Our faith includes essentials like Scripture as the inspired word of God, God as one, as sovereign and existing as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, men and women in the image of God, but also separated from God through our sin. Other essentials are salvation through faith, through the life of Jesus Christ, his cross and resurrection. Jesus Christ is the incarnate only Son of God who reconciles us to God. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit, obedience to the Lord. And grace. Grace is really a hallmark of Christian faith, isn't it? And the intruders in Jude's churches were abusing grace, seeming to say, well, since Christ has set us free, uh, that means probably set us free from morality too right and we go back to some of paul's letters and he says you know people in his churches were doing the same things abusing that grace you know morality is a deep issue a serious issue in christian faith yes there's grace but grace doesn't mean anything goes Dietrich Bonhoeffer saw the same thing in Christianity about 60, 70 years ago, and he called it cheap grace. Bonhoeffer said cheap grace is when grace is sold on the market like cheap wares. It's like taking the sacraments and the forgiveness of sins and the consolations and the treasures of our faith and just throwing them away at sale prices like it's Cyber Monday or something. In other words, we don't see this as of deep value. Cheap grace, he said, is justification, not just of the sinner, but of the sin as well. It is forgiveness of sins without requiring repentance. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Ever since Jude, there have always been those who infiltrate the church and try to challenge the essentials of our faith. Yes, within some churches, Jesus is just nothing more than a glamorized spiritual teacher today. Or the resurrection is nothing but a metaphor. Or forgiveness of sins is made irrelevant by explaining away the sin. Or God is, well, just he's our friend, but he's not our Lord. Jude says, contend for the faith because something is at stake. Something matters here, he says. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. Anybody ring the bell over at Smith? Salvation Army doing that? William Booth founded the Salvation Army, and he knew the need to contend for the faith when he said the chief dangers that confront the coming centuries will be religion without the Holy Spirit, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. But contending for the faith isn't just about belief and doctrine, because our faith is a life. Our faith is a life. And we might expect Jude to say something about separating from these people who have kind of slipped in and they're denying the grace of God, but he doesn't. Jude says one of the ways we contend for our own faith is paying attention to our own faith. Build yourselves up, he said. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. The phrase that Jude uses for building building up is the same one that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians when he says there is no other foundation that can be laid in a person's life except that of Jesus Christ. He is the foundation we build on. True, we contend for the faith with gentle and respectful defense. We need to be able to give reasons for the hope that is in us, why we believe the way we do and who Christ is for us. We need to be able to contend for the faith in our own context here where the dominant religion says our Christianity doesn't quite measure up and when they speak of Jesus Christ, it's very different from what we mean by Jesus Christ. We need to be able to welcome in the missionaries and talk. We need to be able to say why not all religions are equal and that Christ is not just one among many. We need to be able to speak why you just don't get to heaven by being good. We, uh, we need to be able to speak about our faith. Those of you in the science community, you have your own challenges to contend for the faith within that realm. You know that. One of the best ways to wrestle, though, for our faith is building ourselves up in our own faith so that we can live a Christian lifestyle of integrity and walk the life. Because don't we see too many examples of people who are barriers, who claim to be one with Christ and live lives that are barriers to the faith? We need to live in such a way that we show forth Christ. And the more we're grounded, the more we're rooted in the Lord, the more, I think, confident, convicted, and courageous we will be within ourselves. It was an immature faith that left these people in Jude's church open to people being able to come in and manipulate them. In Jude, to be a Christian is to share with other believers in the love feast, which by implication means you're there at worship with other people. To be Christian is to stand firm in the faith and not be intimidated or lured by the flattering or manipulative talk of intruders to the faith. To be a Christian is to realize also your own vulnerability and that therefore you need to be diligent in prayer, keeping yourself in the circle of love that flows from God and be in constant hope of God's mercy. To be Christian means that those who throw themselves on Christ's mercy will also be merciful in their attention to the weak, to the faltering, to those who are trapped in the web of evil. We can never overestimate our own spiritual strength, Jude says. He says, have mercy and do it with fear. But we build ourselves up in this faith. What is the state of our faith? First thing Jude mentions, he says, pray in the Holy Spirit. Do you pray? I'm not just talking about... Some positive thoughts while you're driving to work in the morning. Do do we read the Bible to understand faith and who we are in Christ? Do we meet with other believers to pray, to support one another, to grow together, to interact in the scriptures with one another? Do we faithfully worship with the body of believers? Do we do good deeds for the sake of Christ? Do we care about the state of the church? Do we care what is happening in the spread of the gospel in this world right now? Do we care about missions? Do we look for opportunities to share Christ with other people? Are you willing to be in relationship with others and explain and discuss and talk about the Christian message? Because you know what? It is personal, but it is not private. Are you willing to take heat for a message that may not be very popular with a lot of people. Remember what contend means wrestle, struggle, agonize, those aren't always easy things, are they? Jude ends his letter with a doxology. Uh, doxology is a way of giving glory to God. That's what it means. We're giving glory to God. And Jude assures us that it is Jesus, our God and our Savior, who is able to guard us from falling and to make us stand in His glorious presence on that day when we stand before Him and our faith becomes complete in death. Following Jesus is a life of faith. Living in God's big story is all about faith. It began with Abraham, did it not? When we read that part of the story, who responds to God's call to live by faith in him, Abraham's kind of the prototype of living by faith. And the rest of the Bible, in many ways, is just the record of people trying to walk by faith with the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Throughout the story, we hear that those who are right by God will live by faith. We hear without faith, it's impossible to please God. Every day is an exercise of faith for us. Every day is an exercise of faith for the Christian, is it not? And there are many things that can make us fall in our faith. Trials. Low times in life. Tragedies. Doubts. But God our Savior, Jude says, holds us through it all. Holds us through it all. You know, people who climb mountains, and I'm not one of them, but people who climb mountains rope themselves together so that if a climber should slip, another can take his weight and save his life. When we rope ourselves to God and we rope ourselves to his people, he keeps us. He holds us building ourselves up in our faith, praying in the spirit, keeping ourselves in God's love, our ways we place ourselves in God's hands so that he can guard us, so that he can keep us, so that he can hold us. We've walked through the Torah. We've walked through the historical books. We've walked through the prophets of the Old Testament. We've gone through the Gospels and Acts and the letters of the New Testament and next Sunday we come to the final bell, the final book of God's story and that is the book of Revelation. I have been preparing for it and praying for it already. You know, we think of Jude's encouragement to contend for the faith and what do we stand on? Who holds us? And uh, we're going to sing this great new hymn of the church, In Christ Alone, which is very familiar to us. Uh, But would you just, I, I want us to just read these words before we sing them. Just put up the first verse, Jim, would you? Let's just say these words together. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm, What heights of love, what depths of peace, what fears are stilled when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. And the second verse, too. In Christ alone who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones He came to save. Till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on him was laid here in the death of Christ.